O God, our Father, we thank you for the night rest. We thank you for a new day. Lord, we have come to study thy word. Lord, open our minds. Give us quick understanding that we may understand these eternal realities. And even as we will walk with thee today, O Lord, draw us closer and closer to thee that we may become one even with your Son, Jesus Christ. This is our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our High Calling, April 8. When my will is safe. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Romans chapter 6 verse 22 The Spirit of God does not create new faculties in the converted man, but works a decided change in the employment of those faculties. When mind and heart and soul are changed, man is not given a new conscience, but his will is submitted to a conscience renewed a conscience whose dormant sensibilities are aroused by the working of the Holy Spirit. Through yielding to sin, man placed his will under the control of Satan. He became a helpless captive in the tempter's power. God sent his Son into our world to break the power of Satan and to emancipate the will of man. He sent him to proclaim liberty to the captives, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free. By pouring the whole treasury of heaven into this world, by giving us in Christ all heaven, God has purchased the will, the affections, the mind, the soul of every human being. When man places himself under the control of God, the will becomes firm and strong to do right. The heart is cleansed from selfishness and filled with Christ-like love. The mind yields to the authority of the law of love, and every thought is brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When the will is placed on the Lord's side, the Holy Spirit takes that will and makes it one with the divine will. The Lord loves man. He has given evidence of this love by giving his only begotten son to die for man, that through his grace he might redeem him from hostility to God and bring him back to his loyalty. If man will cooperate with God, the Lord will bring his will into connection with himself and will vitalize it by his own spirit. The gospel must be received in order to regenerate the heart, and the reception of truth will mean the surrender of mind and will to the will of divine power. The will of man is only safe when united 
with the will of God. Amen. The title of our devotion is When My Will is Safe. Yesterday we began to study the mind and we looked at the true force of the will. In previous devotions we have touched on the mind to some extent. In the devotion that is titled God's Part and Mind, that is March 26, we looked at how we it is our duty to exercise the faculties God has given to us and also we also we saw the laws of the mind one of the devotions that was titled beware of satan's devices we looked at the laws of the mind and how we can operate with this mind to gain the victory so we are going to be looking at a study in-depth study on the mind in um for some days now we're going to be doing that we already began that yesterday so first of all we need to understand what is the mind the mind when we say the mind it is the spirit of man that is the part of us that constitutes our character so the mind is the seat of the faculties of man it is like a garden that is to be cultivated and whatever is cultivated on it you know the garden which is the ground already has some nutrients in it and depending on what nutrients how the ground the mind is taking care of then that will determine how the seed will be received and how that seed will grow and this is the reason why jesus talked about four different kinds of people who received the word he talked about the stony ground hearers those that were choked with thorns and those that were also that fell on uh, the wayside and also that which fell on good ground. That ground refers to the mind. It refers to the mind of the person. So if the mind is not properly cultivated, then the seed of the word of God will not bring forth good fruit and we cannot live the life that God will have us to live and we will lose eternal life. This is one of the reasons why the mind, the study of the mind is a very important perhaps most important subject because it is through the mind that we serve God. I'll read some passages from the word of God to make us understand the importance of the mind. Firstly, Romans chapter 7, reading verse 24 and 25 says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So in this passage, we see that to serve God cannot be with the flesh, but with the mind. Another one, Romans 12 verse 2, and, not, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, this means that if our mind is not renewed, we cannot prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Another passage is Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, a popular one that says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. 
1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is what we ought to have. Philippians 2 5 says, Have the mind of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 2 16, Paul says, We have the mind of Christ. Do you have the mind of Christ? If you don't, God has tailored this devotion for all of us to the end that we should have the mind of Christ. So have in mind that as we are going through the study of the mind, the aim of it is to have the mind of Christ. Because unless you have the mind of Christ, you cannot have the character of Christ. Another passage is Matthew 12 verse 35. Jesus now speaking says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart or his mind, bringeth forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart or his mind, bringeth forth evil things. Another one is in the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Keep thy heart, which is thy mind, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 23 7, for as he thinketh in his heart or mind, so is he. So we are a function of our mind. Whatever we are thinking in our mind, that's what we are. And then we are urged, keep this mind with all diligence, because Whatever that mind is, that is what your life is going to be. Out of it are the issues of life. And Jesus confirms it by saying, A good man is not good just because he's good, because he has a good treasure in his heart. A good man out of the good treasure in his heart or mind bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. So, the study of the mind is very important and I would like to remind us of what the faculties of the mind are. The faculties of the mind, number one is the will, which we saw yesterday, the true force of the will. That is the one, the controlling power of the mind. It is the deciding power. We looked at that yesterday. We have the reasoning powers. That is the ability to trace something, to think from cause to effect and make sound judgment, good decisions by tracing from cause to effect. And then we have the conscience, a very spiritual part of us which the Holy Spirit uses. That is the part of our our mind that has a power to hold us or to hold us accountable to know what is right and what is wrong. The conscience must be sharpened by the word of God and we are going to look at that today, the conscience and the will. What we are going to look at in today's devotion is the relationship between the conscience and the will. Then we have the perception, that is your worldview, how you see things. We have the memory, which is a bank of all that you have experienced. You can give yourself good memories or not. Study the word of God, you have good memories. Engage in good things, you have good memories. Engage in bad things, you have bad memories. Then the imagination. That is where we begin when we want to have a conversion experience. It's not with the will. We must, first of all, purify the imagination. If the imagination is corrupt, then the will will find it difficult to do right. And then we have the intuition, which is something that is formed from experience. Not necessarily following cause to effect and reasoning, but being connected, so connected with God that you can make good decisions, intuitive powers because of the connection with God. So these are the, these are the faculties of the mind. And all of them are what we use to build a good character. I'll read now from Testimonies, Volume 4, page 606, paragraph 2. It says, Every faculty in man is a workman that is building for time and for eternity. And by the way, for us to know more on this, we have already talked about it in the devotion that was titled God's Part and Mine, which was 
in done in March 26 God's part of mind we looked at that even another one was when we looked at building for eternity building for eternity which was in uh, March 19 we talked a bit about that so you can listen to that for more insights on the mind so I'm reading now testimonies volume 4 page 606 paragraph 2 it says every faculty in man is a workman all these faculties i mentioned now the conscious the will the perception intuition man, um, imagination reasoning uh, all of them they are all workmen that is building for time and eternity day by day the structure is going up although the possessor is not aware of it it is a building which must stand either as a beacon of warning because of its deformity or as a structure which god and angels will admire for its harmony with the divine model the mental and moral powers which God has given us do not constitute character. They are talents which we are to improve and which if properly improved will form a right character. A man may have precious seed in his hand but that seed is not an orchard. The seed must be planted before it can become a tree. The mind is the garden. The character is the fruit. God has given us our faculties to cultivate and develop. Our own course determines our character in training these powers so that they shall harmonize and form a valuable character. We have a work which no one but ourselves must do. So that is our part to do. God has already given us the talent. So today, we are looking at how the will is used to form a right character. Yesterday, we read some really, really wonderful stuff in the devotion that talked about the power of the will and how God wants to use it to develop in us the the character of Christ. Statements like these were read. It says, if you fight the fight of faith, that is a high calling, page 103, paragraph 4. If you fight the fight of faith with all your will power, you will conquer. Remember, the will is not the taste or the inclination, but it's the deciding power which works in the children of men unto obedience to God or disobedience. The will is the governing power in the nature of man. What does it mean to govern? If you check your dictionary for the meaning of govern, to govern means to control the actions or behavior of or to keep under control, to restrain. An example, govern yourselves like civilized people. A student who could not govern his impulses. That those are just examples of the word govern. Another one says, find the strength, courage and discipline to govern yourself or be governed by someone else. So, to be governed means to control, to restrain. So, what is the will? It is the governing power. The will must be separate. You must understand this thing because I myself was trying to understand it carefully. We have what we call our emotions, our inclinations, our desires. We have our tastes, which is desire, what we like. We have our impressions. None of these things is the will. The will is separate. So, just because I have a desire for something doesn't mean that that's my will. Just because my emotions are going in a particular direction doesn't make that my will. I may be inclined, because of hereditary and cultivated tendencies, I may be inclined to be an adulterer or to be a liar or to be proud. But that doesn't make that my character. That's just an inclination. My emotions and my feelings may be going in a particular direction. Nevertheless, it is not yet my will and that's not what I am. I am my will because the will is the governing power. It is what finally makes the decision for me. I'll go on in that yesterday's devotion. It says, you may believe and promise all things, but your 
promises or your faith are of no value until you put your will on the side of faith. Another place it says, it is for you to yield up your will to the will of Jesus Christ and as you do this, God will immediately take possession and walk in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Wonderful promise. Your whole nature will then be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ and even your thoughts will be subject to him. You cannot control your impulses, your emotions as you may desire, but you can control the will and you can make an entire change in your life. Wonderful. Whatever struggles you may be passing through, as we saw yesterday, billions of Christians, we have decisions that we have made, but that's not yet our will. Because we find that we may make resolutions, which are decisions actually. We want to do this, we want to do that, we want to serve God, we want to quit sin. But yet it's not working out. Have hope, do not despair, that's what we are told. Do not be hopeless, do not feel like it's all over. Because there's one thing that you have which you are not aware of, perhaps. And that is the governing power, which is the will. Your emotions may fail you. Your impulses may fail you. Your inclinations may fail you. Your tastes may be all wrong. But you still have hope because of one thing that God has given, which is in your faculties. And that is your will. It is because of the will that we can deny ourselves. Because when we say deny ourselves, we're talking of not giving in to your taste, your impulse, your inclinations, and your emotions. That is what it means. And what you can use to do that is to put the will on the side of Christ and look at the results that even your thoughts will be controlled. When you put your will on the side of Christ, your whole nature will then be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ and even your thoughts will be subject to Him. Don't you want that to happen to you? I do want it to happen to me. And that's why this study is very important. So today, what other information are we understanding about the will? It says here that the will, what happens to us when we come to Christ? We all have faculties right from when we are born. All our faculties are already in our minds. Nobody is going to be given new faculties, but rather, one thing that we pick up here is that our conscience is going to be renewed. And I must tell you how the conscience is renewed. The conscience cannot be renewed without the word of God. That is why we read in Romans 12 verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. What is in the mind? The conscience is part of the mind. The imagination is part of the mind. When these parts of us, these faculties are renewed, then the will submits to these renewed faculties. I read now page 104, paragraph 2 of our High Calling, which is in today's devotion. It says, The Spirit of God does not create new faculties in the converted man, but works a decided change in the employment of those faculties. When mind and heart and soul are changed, man is not given a new conscience, but his will is submitted to a conscience renewed, a conscience whose dormant sensibilities are aroused by the working of the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit work? It works with the Word of God. When the Word of God is spoken to your heart, the Holy Spirit works and tries to use that Word to renew your conscience. It was dormant before, it was not working. And when that conscience is now renewed, when you enter into a situation where you are tempted, your inclinations are all wrong, feelings wrong, 
emotions wrong impulsively you want to do wrong but then the renewed conscience wakes up and tells you no this thing is wrong and then we talk about the conscience pricking us your conscience cannot prick you if the word of god is not coming to the mind the holy spirit needs something to work with so if you are standing or sitting under a sermon and someone is speaking the truth that is why we need to hear the truth spoken to us often because that truth is what the holy spirit uses to work and when you hear the word the preacher may not even intend to take you to a particular direction but when the holy spirit is working just a sentence few sentences can work and the holy spirit works on the mind works on the conscience renews it sharpens it and makes it understand wrong and right so that the next time you find yourself under temptation that renewed conscience will will talk to the will and the will will submit to the conscience so that it does what is right and it's not just the conscience by the way though the devotion today mentioned just the conscience but even the imagination the reasoning the perception all of them are going to be renewed by the word of god Remember, the Bible says, renew them, renew your mind, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The mind can only be renewed. And when we say the mind, it's not referring to just the conscience. All the faculties of the mind can only be renewed by exposure to the word of God. The will, conscience, imagination, memory, all of them, the power of the word is what does that. I know we'll talk about that subsequently in other devotions but today god wants us to understand focus on your the relationship between your conscience and your will the will which is the deciding power needs help of the conscience though yesterday we spoke about the will in independent of the conscience you need to understand that the will can be placed on the side of christ and i know many of us want to understand what does this thing mean how can i place the will on the side of christ from what i understand it is not just to make decisions, but rather going further than that. Because we, we read something in the devotion that says that once you do that, God will take possession of that soul that places its will on the side of Christ. Testimonies, volume 5, page 513 says, By yielding up your will to Christ, your life will be healed with Christ and God and allied to the power which is above all principalities and powers. You will have strength from God that will hold you fast to his strength. And in new life, even the life of living faith will be possible to you. But your will must cooperate with God's will. And again, going down in page 514, paragraph 1, it says, By steadfastly keeping the will on the Lord's side, every emotion will be brought into captivity to the will of jesus you will then find your feet on solid rock it will take at times every particle of willpower which you possess but it is god that is working for you and you will come forth from the molding process a vessel unto honor keep on god's side of the line set not your foot on the enemy's side and the lord will be your helper he will do for you that which it is not possible for you to do for yourself. The result will be that you will become like a cedar in Lebanon. Your life will be noble and your works will be wrought in God. There will be in you a power, an earnestness, and a simplicity that will make you a polished instrument in the hands of God. So it goes on and says, But you must remember that your will is the spring of all your actions. 
this will that forms so important a factor in the character of man was at the fall given to the control of Satan and he has ever since been working in man to will and to do of his own pleasure. But the utter ruin and misery, but to the utter ruin and misery of man. But the infinite sacrifice of God in giving Jesus his beloved son to become a sacrifice for sin enables him to say without violation of one principle of his government, yield yourself up to me, give me that will, take it from the control of Satan, and I will take possession of it. Then I can work in you to will and to do of my good pleasure. When he gives you the mind of Christ, your will becomes as his will and your character is transformed to be like the character of Christ. Is it your purpose to do God's will? Do you wish to obey the scriptures? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what are we learning today? God wants us to understand what actually was taken from us when we fell, when Adam fell, was our will. But the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and of course the hope of it before he even came, restored to man the ability to take that will and place it on the side of Christ. And when it is placed on the side of Christ, that is the only time that the will is safe. Because the will can be used in the wrong direction. It is that deciding power. It is that governing power. The ability, some people do not have strong will. They are controlled by emotions, controlled by inclinations and impulses, and the will is dormant, it's not doing anything. The impulse is controlling the imagination, the, 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 the inclinations, hereditary and cultivated, and the will is doing nothing. But if the will can be aroused to make decisions and follow after it, place it on the side of Christ, let the will not be on the side of the devil, then you will see good, good results and then it will be safe for the will to exercise itself. I hear some people like Alexander the Great had strong will. But what? Their reasoning was bad, conscience bad, and the will was carrying out the, the, the acts of a bad imagination, bad conscience, bad reasoning. So that is why the will of itself must be placed on the side of Christ, independent of the conscience. But at the same time, the will, though placed on the side of Christ, should be under the control of a sanctified and renewed conscience, so that good acts can be carried out and one thing i want us to understand is that we are not made up of our emotions it's not our emotions that make us christians it's not our feelings that make us christians it's our actions and that is why we should thank god some of us may struggle with emotions we may struggle with with different hereditary tendencies but remember that that's not what makes you a christian i read now testimonies for the uh, volume 5 page 512 sorry 515 paragraph 2 it says there is no such thing as following christ unless you refuse to gratify inclination and determine to obey god it is not your feelings your emotions that make you a child of god but the doing of god's will a life of usefulness is before you if your will becomes god's will then you may stand in your god-given manhood an example of good works you will then help the, to maintain rules of discipline instead of helping to break them down. So, are we expecting that our inclinations to sin will go? No. Are we expecting that our emotions may all get right now, get good right now? No. Are we expecting that 
all our imaginations will first of all be pure. No, we are not expecting that. I may still have wrong inclinations. I may still have uh, thoughts that may be going in the wrong direction. Uh, suggestions may come up that are wrong not necessarily thoughts that I'm dwelling on that are wrong because that will be seen but the will is what makes my decisions and forms my actions so till I die I may be tempted in a particular direction by besetting sins but I may continually use my will to deny myself and stay in the side of Christ because if my will is placed on the side of Christ the inclination may do what it likes the impulses may continue to press in one direction and the emotions and feelings and desires may be in one direction but as far as my will is on the side of Christ he will take possession of my heart and my soul and my conscience and every of my decision will be as that of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ my prayer that all of us will experience this in Jesus name Amen. The last part of the reading, I just want to add, it says the gospel must be received in order to regenerate the heart. And the reception of truth will mean the surrender of mind and will to the will of divine power. In other words, the sign that I have received the gospel is that my will I will surrender my will, my mind, to the will of the divine power. The will of man is only safe when united with the will of God. Years ago, an article was printed out in a, a, a newspaper, ran an article that read, the headline was, Who killed more, Hitler, Stalin, or Mao? Remember Chairman Mao? These are three men whose will were handed over to Satan. Interestingly, Hitler was also a Christian. And to think that he will be equated with somebody like Mao and Stalin, you wonder what happened, where did it go wrong? But these were men who were remotely controlled. That's what Satan is doing. Our wills are our remote control. And so he controls us from a distance if we hand our will over to him. So that's why God is calling us to give him our will so that he will keep it safe. And our wills will be united with his own will. But uh, there's an example in the Bible of what it will seem like when somebody whose will was with God and then snatches it from his hand and try to control it by himself a man called solomon the king the wise king solomon the wisdom that solomon desired above riches honor or long life god gave him his petition for a quick mind a large heart and a tender spirit was granted god gave him wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart and even as the sun that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the nations of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, and his fame was in all nations round about. And as a result of the wisdom, he a case was brought to him where two mothers were struggling one baby, and then 
when he passed on judgment and the way the case played out all Israel heard it and they feared him they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment first Kings chapter 3 verse 28 the hearts of the people were turned towards Solomon as they had been turned toward David and they obeyed him in all things for many years Solomon's life was marked with devotion to God with uprightness and firm principle and with strict obedience to God's commands and as a result Israel was the light of the world showing forth the greatness of Jehovah not in the surpassing wisdom the fabulous riches the far-reaching power and fame that were his lay the real glory of Solomon's early reign but in the honor that he brought to the name of God of the name of the God of Israel through a wise use of the gifts of heaven now here is where the problem begins to come in in his own words he said and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not from me and whatsoever my eyes desired I kept not from them I withheld not my heart from any joy in other words he cast off self-restraint cast off the yoke of Christ he began to carry his own burden but when he looked back when he looked back he said I hated life yea I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 4 to 18 he narrated his experience when he tried to handle his own will by himself and here's a story of his how the, how he began to struggle see but after a morning of great promise his life was darkened by apostasy I'm reading from Petrarchs and Kings page 51 say history records the melancholy fact that he who had been called Jedidiah beloved of the Lord he who had been honored by God with tokens of divine favor so remarkable that his wisdom and uprightness gained for him worldwide fame he who had led others to ascribe honor to God turned from the worship of Jehovah to bow before the idols of the hidden see by his own bitter experience Solomon learned the emptiness of a life that seeks in earthly things its highest good he erected altars to hidden God only to learn how vain is their promise to of rest to the spirit when we leave Christ who is promising us rest and looking for rest in the things of this world our own end will, will be like Solomon. It's a gloomy and soul harassing thoughts trouble him night and day. For him, there was no longer any joy of life or peace of mind, and the future was dark with despair. Yet the Lord forsook him not. By messages of reproof and by severe judgment, he sought to arouse the king to a realization of the sinfulness of his cause. He removed his protecting care and permitted adversaries to harass and weaken the kingdom. The Lord stirred up adversary unto Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. God stirred up another adversary, Rezan, the captain of a band, 
who abhorred Israel and reigned over Israel, Syria, and Jeroboam, Solomon's servant, a mighty man of valor. Even he lifted up his hand against the king. So if you look, sometimes you look back and see people who are fighting you. Some of them, God is allowing them to remind you, to stir you up, to arouse us that we are taking a route that might end in defeat. So we must look back and take stock. In seeking to strengthen his relations with the powerful kingdom lying to the south of Israel, Solomon ventured upon forbidding ground. Satan knew the results that will attend obedience. And during the, the earlier years of Solomon's reign, years glorious because of the wisdom, the beneficence, and the uprightness of the king, he sought to bring in influences that would insidiously undermine Solomon's loyalty to principle and cause him to separate from God. That the enemy was successful in this effort, we know from the record. Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh's Pharaoh, king of Egypt and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. First Kings chapter 3 verse 1. Solomon flattered himself that his wisdom and power of example will lead his wives from idolatry to the worship of the true God. And also that the alliance thus formed will draw the nations round about into close touch with Israel. Vain hope. Solomon's mistake in regarding himself as strong enough to resist the influence of hidden associates was fatal and fatal to the deception that led him to hope that notwithstanding a disregard of God's law on his part, others might be led to revere and obey its sacred precepts. So you see the danger here in our lives, the power of influence. He thought that, oh, even if I do this, uh, nobody should copy me because I, uh, I, am, I have a right to do it. But here we see that his action led the nation to copy his examples. From a human point of view, this marriage, though contrary to the teachings of God's law, seemed to prove a blessing. But in forming an alliance with a hidden nation and sealing the compact by marriage, with an adulterous princess, idolatrous princess, Solomon rashly disregarded the wise provision that God had made for maintaining the purity of his people. The hope that his Egyptian wife might be converted was but a feeble excuse for the sin. And what was the end of it? You see, when he was getting old, these women, this marriages he contracted with women from all over the world they turned his heart from following God into worshipping idols and he built altars for all the gods of these nations in Israel and forced Israel to begin to worship those idols he who had whose wisdom through God's power had helped him rescued a baby who was about to be divided and given the baby back to the mother the same Solomon, when his will was now given over to Satan, when Satan now had control over him, Satan built idols and altars to Chemosh, to Milcom, 
The gods of the Sidonians were babies, children were burned in fire. That's what will happen to the man whose conscience, as we've been told, whose will is given over to Satan. He will control it and he will use it masterfully to do things that even our ears will tingle when we hear them. Thus, pride and ambition, prodigality and indulgence bore fruit in cruelty and exaction. The conscience of Solomon was seared. So we see that our example is truly Christ, who was lowly and meek. I I don't remember the story of Edson, a young man in the 1800s, where the mother wrote a letter to him. He was dressing extravagantly and he was paying attention too much on the pride of dress and the mother said that you're you're not you're not supposed to be seeking this extravagant life in adornment so they will not recommend you they will not recommend you so you why not put all your efforts in the building up building of character and this can only be done by giving to God the will that he will refine it let the will be collapsed together with the will of God and so we seek to do God's will and we pursue it and may it be our life focus that we concentrate on those facts that we read in this devotion and pursue them with all our hearts and mind and strength and that will be the safe keeping of the will so I pray that May these practical steps be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, loving Father, for giving us all this information and all the plans that you have put in place to lift man out of his fallen state. Thank you for the death of Jesus on the cross to restore our will back to us. Now, Lord, we pray these things may be vague to the mind and we may not understand clearly what it means to put the wheel on the side of Christ and to yield it to him. But the results, as we have read, are wonderful. Lord, thank you for hearing, and I know you'll hear us even more. Please help us to understand more clearly how to yield our will to God. Help us, Lord, to understand more definitely what it means for us to understand the true force of the will, and that by this faculty, by your grace, we shall have that mind of Christ purify our imagination, awaken and arouse our consciences, Lord. Give us sound judgment and reasoning. Help us, Lord, that our perceptions too shall be pure. Give us the grace, Lord, to have that mind of Christ, that we may glorify your your, your name in this life. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.